What's up, Slick Talkers? I want to promote a quick little thing that we're doing at Good Morning Hospitality called Good Morning Retreats. This is our first ever retreat, and we are hosting a hospitality training retreat at the Horst Schultz Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. Now, this is going to be July 8th through the 10th, and it's for operators only. So if you're a property manager and you want to actually dive into the inner workings of providing hospitality and not just the operations of your business, then this is what you need to do and sign up for. So go to goodmorningretreats.com in order to get into an intimate setting with other operators just like you. If you go to the website, you'll see the published agenda and other things around the whole retreat. We're excited to host you. And if you're going to the retreat already and you've already confirmed your spot, we can't wait to show you what we have up our sleeves for this event. Now, let's move on to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. And like always, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. They can only do so much, you know? And so it's kind of like, uh, sure, if everyone would just do the right thing and pick up a tray and, and remove it from the guest hall, there wouldn't be a problem. But when you really understand that what's happening behind the scenes, that's where the, the, the true problem starts, you know? And so that's it. We're just providing a simple solution to, to give the team the tools that they need so they can use that passion and provide the level of experience that they really want to. Uh, they just had a challenge doing so. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we'll, we'll touch on in a moment, my background's in hotels, uh, but Trey Away is a technology service for hotels. Uh, essentially what we're doing is enhancing the guest experience and ensuring that dirty room service trays don't clutter up those beautiful hallways. Uh, we're doing that throughout lots of different brands. Uh, we just announced last week, uh, we're now supporting 100 hotels throughout 10 countries, which we're really excited about. So again, appreciate you having me on the show. Of course, no, and uh, I love the like you and I were just talking about earlier, I just love the exciting little things like this. Um, something that we see as a problem in their industry and then somebody who's took that problem and got innovative and creative with it and, and is really changing the game. So I'm super excited to have you guys on. Um, for just the audience out there that's listening and just for uh, the sake of the show, let's kind of dive into a little bit about who you are. Um, you know, how did you get to where you are today and what was the journey along to, you know, the exciting success of getting to a hundred hotels for a trailway. Awesome. would love to. So uh, should we start just at the very beginning or where would yeah. you like to start? Yeah, let's do it. You know, um, growing up all the way through, you know, your college years and into the career of hospitality and hotels. And then um, yeah, we'll just work our, work our way through. Yeah. So growing up, I grew up mostly in the South, uh, mostly Louisiana specifically uh, was blessed with a, an amazing family, had incredible parents, two older amazing sisters, so very blessed uh, to stay there. Uh, you know, like most kids, played lots of different sports growing up, but maybe not like most kids. Uh, I was just naturally drawn to uh, entrepreneurship. And, you know, I don't even know that I knew what that word meant as a kid. I think I just thought of, you know, business ideas, always trying to come up with things, you know, as simple and silly as lemonade stands. Or I think uh, at one point, I'd buy like candy from a wholesale company, ride around on my bike in the neighborhood and then reselling it to houses. Um, so just kind of always uh, young and tasting different business ideas growing up. Um, you know, and then uh, kind of a little bit later, I guess, uh, 15, 
Uh, my father unfortunately passed away uh, from cancer in very early 40s. So, you know, kind of very unexpected for our, our family. And mm. at that time, I decided that, uh, you know, sports just didn't seem so important anymore. So I uh, kind of hung that up uh, my sophomore year and just kind of poured that energy into working. So uh, that summer, I actually spent a uh, whole summer working in a warehouse, saved up about $1,500 and went out and bought a windshield repair kit. So if you don't know what I mean by that, you know, you get those small little chips on your windshield. Yeah. Uh, well, at 15 years old, I'd come, I'd fix it for you for free. And then I would bill your insurance company $50 and it'd take me about 30 minutes. So my uh, junior and uh, senior year of high school, I was working for myself, making roughly about 50 to $100 an hour. So that's kind of from start to about end of high school uh, to kind of catch you up there. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, what I really like about, you know, what you just said is I don't think I knew what entrepreneurship was either as a kid. I remember doing the lemonade stands. I remember selling, you know, crappy superhero drawings and all the other kind of like weird things that nobody told you was business. You know, nobody saw, I just think it's a different time. And now, like, I remember the first time I heard the word entrepreneur was when I, you know, started my chauffeur company back in Spokane. And it like, to me, I was like, what, that's what this is. Like, <laughs> this is what everybody else is doing like I, I, you see like you know people that own big skyscraper buildings and have all these big offices and you think about all that and you know they're entrepreneurs they're, they're business owners but really in our head I think I don't know it was just a weird feeling when you heard the word and just now like realizing like oh like I've done this for a long time but just in many many different ways and forms that um, you know led up to this moment so it's kind of interesting to hear the similar stories. Nice. And uh, yeah, and just to, I'm going to date myself for a second, but I mean, when I was in high school, it was in the late nineties. So, I mean, the internet was a baby. Most people had barely heard of it. So the idea of, uh, I mean, it's so amazing to see what now people can do in high school and the types of businesses they can start, or, I mean, just the, the amount of products they could go online and sell through all these different websites. I mean, as you know, those things weren't there in yeah. the late nineties. So entrepreneurship slash starting a business at that age had a very different feel to it or you know there's just different options that were available at that time no definitely i i totally agree and think you know starting starting out now i think uh the power of technology and all the fast you know instant things that we can do as a human race is pretty pretty insane so um let's kind of dive in i know you started a business when you were about 19 um and so let's kind of talk about that journey and you know what lessons and you know experiences that you learn from from that yeah no absolutely so i attended college uh seemed like the natural thing to do after high school and uh, uh sophomore year at 19 uh started a financial business um and you know to summarize it most incredible yet painful learning experience i ever had in my life yeah um you know i think at that time and i guess this is for anybody ever thinking about starting anything unless you feel completely compelled to do something you you might want to really you know really think hard about it uh, but at that time, it just felt like exactly what I was supposed to do. And so I kind of dove head in. I dropped out of college right after my sophomore year. And uh, again, like I said, it was an incredible learning experience. Um, if you fast forward about 18 months, uh, things weren't going so well. I mean, I had many highs. Things went really well at times. But as entrepreneurship goes, it also goes uh, the other direction as well. Yeah. So after about 18 months, uh, as I said, things weren't going so well. But I was super determined. I was not willing to give up or give in. Uh, but I had very little money to work with. So at that time, I actually moved out of my apartment, uh, put all my belongings in a storage shed. And then after sleeping in my truck for a couple of nights, I realized that sleeping on an office floor was actually more comfortable. So um, that's kind of where I lived briefly during that time period. Uh, kind of a fun, 
you know, note, I actually just kept my membership at a gym because then I could have a place to shower and get ready in the mornings. But, um, you know, that's what I was up to at 20 years old. Um, and then fast forward about six months, I woke up at 21 and just finally had to admit, you know, I was broke. I was in debt. I, I, I certainly failed. It just took a little while to finally admit that. Yeah. And I was looking around and, you know, everyone I knew that was my age were graduating college, starting their career, so excited about life. And I was just kind of, you know, there, clueless about what my next step was going to be. So that's just a little bit about that. Well, how'd you, so how'd you get from that moment to phasing into the hospitality industry? Because I, I can relate, you know, the same, similar background just on, you know, being like, what the heck did I just do? Um, it was, you know, highs and lows of entrepreneurship and the startup and getting creative, but then, you know, the, the long life lessons that you had to learn, um, what really made you take the next step into hospitality? Yeah. So I guess the, the easy answer is out of necessity. <laughs> I, I wasn't looking for a career. I wasn't seeking the next great opportunity. You know, I had put myself in a little bit of a hole at that yeah. age. I'd incurred some debt. And I needed to start working at chipping that away. So I got my first job at a restaurant serving tables. And I was actually surprised. It was something I thoroughly enjoyed. You know, a job that maybe a lot of people that have never been in the industry think of as, you know, a, a job they would never want. But I truly just enjoyed working around people, yeah. serving other people, making sure they were happy. And also like just the fast paced chaos of, of the restaurant industry. You know, I'd of course been to restaurants, but I'd never thought of working in one. And you know, just as a server at 21 years old, I kind of fell in love with, with the pace of uh, the industry. Um, and so at that time, you know, thankfully was able to pay off my debt with that first job in, at a restaurant and still wasn't uh, sure about the loan game. So I thought, well, you know what, in the, in the meantime, might as well go ahead and finish my degree. So I ended up uh, going back to college. I switched my major from business to hospitality management and ended up finishing my degree. And so, um, you know, very interesting part in my life of Kind of going through that, but um, you know, pick myself back up and, and kind of made things happen uh, one step at a time. No, I, I love that, and I think uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier prior to the episode, is that I think the um, the excitement of the industry is you know so. Um, I guess it's very unaware for a lot of people on just what the industry is like and especially you know 21 years old being in a restaurant that is a very fast pace yeah you know you got your slow nights obviously or your slow days or slow mornings or whatever um shift but it's the the hustle and bustle and i think uh as a person that you know started their own business you probably that was like a more comfort of a feeling than than anything yeah definitely and you know i didn't really think of this at the time but i guess i'm thinking back you know uh, waking up at 21 and going through that experience, like if for anyone that's maybe listening and they've started something and it absolutely crashed and burned and they know what I'm talking about, uh, it's a pretty painful process, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think something about walking into a restaurant and essentially, you know, you don't have time to think you're constantly moving for six or eight hours. Yeah. You're constantly smiling, you know, not putting on a show. It's just, if you, if you enjoy doing that, then it kind of comes natural. And so a part of that was able to help my mind get off of all the challenges that I've just been through. You know, I was able to kind of pour my energy into hospitality and pleasing others. And in return, it did me, you know, a tremendous favor of kind of getting me back excited and, and heading in a new direction. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more on that. I think that's perfectly summed up. Um, so after college, switch your degree to hospitality. Um, let's kind of talk, you know, where, 
where did that lead you to? How did you get to, you know, just being in the, you know, your, your tenure career in hotels and everything like that? Yeah. So, you know, at that time I thought, um, you know, I would see the GM of our restaurant, which is a very successful uh, privately owned restaurant group. And I thought, you know, he really enjoys his job every day. He, you know, he has fun and that I knew I wasn't sure what I wanted to do long-term, but I knew that I needed to enjoy every day walking in and performing whatever it was that I was going to do. And so I kind of thought I'd end up, you know, specifically in restaurants, but had a good friend uh, he graduated a year before me, and he actually ended up recruiting me out to the Four Seasons Resort in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So a uh, really good friend. And so I ended up moving out there right after college. Uh, kind of a little bit of a change going from the south to uh, 10 hours north of Denver, Colorado. So I think yeah. my first winter there got down to about negative 30. We got about 650 inches of snow, but it was just an incredible, uh, incredible time. So um, ended up being there for about four years at the Four Seasons. Uh, started out actually as a bartender. Work my way up to supervisor, assistant manager, and then finally a department head throughout that four-year stint. Wow, that's pretty pretty big jump. So I applaud you on that one. Um, so let's kind of go into you know the rest of your hot you know hotel and hospitality experience and into you know leading up to the moments of you know Trayway. Definitely. So uh, the beautiful part about uh, Jackson Hole is it's very seasonal, uh, busy in the winters and summers, but slow in the, the fall and the spring. So I did have the opportunity to go help out a couple of months at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia, a month in Miami. Actually spent five months in St. Louis working with the team there. So it was a really incredible time to just work in many different cities, meet so many people in the industry. And, you know, as you, you know yourself, even if a hotel has the same brand, the way it's run, the actual operations are set up so differently just by yeah. design. And so it's just really cool learning so many different ways to accomplish success in these different environments. Uh, and then ended up transferring to uh, Four Seasons Dallas, uh, Las Colinas, uh, and ended up having a great time there for about four years. Started out as a restaurant department head and then took over uh, the interim dining department. Uh, I really enjoyed the experience. Um, for any of you listeners there that have ever worked in interim dining or are familiar with it, uh, just to give you a little context, it was 431 rooms, which is big for four seasons, mm -hmm. uh, with about 40% of those rooms or villas. They're spread out around a golf course. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, rolling a trolley to an elevator and going upstairs. It was loading it into like a golf cart with an enclosed bed, driving it about half a mile, unloading the golf cart, setting it up on the trolley, and then actually delivering the order to the guests. So it was definitely, uh, you know, kind of a different level of experience when it comes to interim dining for, for luxury hotels. Um, so had a great time there. My last position I held was a director of restaurants, overseeing a couple of bars, restaurant, room service, and things like that. Um, being originally from Louisiana, you know, I was just really excited about eventually being back uh, closer to home, and I wanted to call New Orleans my home, so I ended up moving to New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, took on a, an incredible role, I'll keep it short, but uh, at the 1600 room Hilton Riverside here in New Orleans, uh, in a, kind of a different role, which was uh, operations training manager. So I worked out of the executive office, right alongside the amazing GM, the hotel manager, food and beverage director. And essentially the goal was to just partner up with all the department heads and the different outlets and work to solve problems and ultimately, which would lead to increasing service scores. So, you know, after one year there, uh, we were able to say that every outlet within food and beverage division had improved their service scores year over year. So it was a really incredible experience. And that was, uh, you know, kind of my role there, which ended up leading me into to Trayway, which I'm sure we'll touch on. No, for sure. I, I, I love the, the, you know, the 
the role of operations and training management, you know, because I think, and we've talked about this a lot on the show um, prior to this episode and just like with other guests and stuff, but the ability to cross train and have, you know, departments work together instead of against each other, I think it's a, um, a mindset shift for a lot of people in the industry, you know, like I came from a 716 room hotel under Marriott's flagship of, uh, you know, autograph collection. And then, so having like the mindset of like, well, that's valet's job or that's room services job or that's front desk job or that's, you know, so-and-so's job. Um, and then shifting the mindset to no, we are the, you know, X, Y, Z property that we like, this is our duty. You know, valet has a role, room service has a role, front desk has a role. We all have a role, but together we have a, bigger role and that's you know taking care of the guests with you know with a team spirit and mindset you know it's not so-and-so's position is our position in order to succeed and you know like you said guest service scores and all the other stuff and so um for me that's huge i you know i realized that in a very early time in my career of hotels and lodging so i think the the overall development of that practice is is key and so i think that's really cool um Cool. Yeah, you get to see you. You, know, you get to see everything. You, the guest experience, you know, doesn't just start from when they pull up in their their car or their Uber. It starts from when they book, and then to you know all the way to the moment when they get home and unpack their bags. So I think it's uh, I think it's pretty vital to to see that. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I actually heard you mention that in another episode, which I totally agreed with, of course. And just to kind of echo that, you know. Uh, again, there's not a right or wrong way to run a hotel. Every brand's different. There's different levels of expectations and so yeah. forth. But, but just from my experience, I don't want to mention specific properties, but you know, I've worked in a property where like, we called it crunch calls. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, like calling the crunch. Does mm-hmm. that sound uh, yeah. familiar to you? Or? There's similar terms. Yeah. So uh, that was like the norm and the expectation of everyone working at that resort. You know, if, if the restaurant was, was getting you know, overloaded, it wasn't uncommon to see someone from catering or sales or accounting all of a sudden with a tray in their hand, walking around, taking care of, you know, dishes off, the, you know, essentially clearing tables. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked in other properties where <laughs> you, you wouldn't see that kind of thing happen. And, and yeah. again, it's not about right or wrong. Everyone has their own jobs and by all means, they've got to take care of that. But there's something about having a culture where you just know at any given point of the day, whether it's the front drive, the, the, the spa, you know, uh, whatever it may be that needs help at that moment that you have some simple procedures in place, whether it's, you know, there's obviously different types of technology that can help you communicate the need of where it's at. Uh, but I've just seen that so impactful, you know, yep. and it's not only about in the moment for the moment, the guest is affected and the more people with hands on deck is going to solve those challenges and make the guests happy, but also just from a camaraderie standpoint, you know, knowing that you can rely on other departments in those moments, uh, I think speaks volumes to the culture and that obviously trickles to all the levels of success that that property may have. Exactly. No, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, I, it's more of a, like I said, hospitality is, you know, we talk about, you know, the guest experience was also about the team experience too. And I think when you have more of that crunch call type environment, um, you really get to see like just the, the, it's just amazing. It's like, I always look to the example of military, right? So I have a military background. So with a lot of, you know, when you go into, the training aspect, you're with people from all over the world with so many different cultures and religions and beliefs and, and you know, color or skin or whatever you want to say. Um, and just different, you know, experiences in life and 
I think it's kind of the same with hospitality. You know, you work in a hotel or a restaurant, you have people from all over the world that are not only just visiting, but you know, you're working with. And I think when you get to the crunch call, you get to learn so much about, you know, different personalities and just the, the bonding it forms and it kind of breaks down those quote unquote barriers. Some people like to call it. Uh, I don't see it as, you know, I don't see barriers like that, but I think it's just because hospitality is such a, a genuine thing in our lives. But, um, you know, you get to see so many cool things happen when that kind of environment is created. So I think it's really cool. Um, with your role, the last position that you were at, um, kind of let's talk about, you know, what sparked Trey away? Because like we said, we kind of covered it a little bit in the beginning of the episode. But for a lot of the listeners, what really sparked the idea of Trailway and how did it become what it is today? How did it become, you know, not only a service tool, but, you know, a key indicator for a lot of um, operations and just the overall um, stuff that Trailway is doing today? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for your service. So I appreciate that. Um, And, uh, you know, to answer your question, uh, really, you know, I was kind of at a pivot point where I was starting to look for a little something different. You know, I'd been on this hotel journey for 10 years, seen a lot, learned a lot, and was started to kind of, I guess you could summarize it, say get that entrepreneurial itch again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of occurred to me one day how, you know, just that moment where something that you dealt with for a while becomes glaringly obvious. And that was the simple, silly problem of dirty room service trays in hotel hallways. You know, when I really thought back like over 10 years in the industry, every hotel I worked at in all those different cities that I mentioned, it was, a, it was a challenge. You know, it was yeah. bigger problems at some properties, maybe not as big at other properties. But at the end of the day, uh, it was always a challenge of some level. And, you know, it always frustrated essentially the key people that are running the hotels. It's not that the GM or the hotel manager really is worried about that tray on the 13th floor, but it's nowadays we get so much feedback from the guests, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're just caring about your day and then you see that TripAdvisor comment or that internal survey score from like a system like Medallia pop up. And they're complaining about something as silly as a dirty tray. And so I just became passionate about trying to solve it and, and literally internally. So I looked at, um, you know, went to Google, which is what everyone does when they're looking for something. Yeah. Uh, searched the market. And I could only find one solution that was out there, but I was excited to find it. I was like, fantastic. I'm going to find out what this is. We're going to, you know, purchase it. We're going to resolve this challenge for us. And then I was going to move on to the next challenge. Um, but there was a little twist. They sent me a quote for $96,000. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. You know, it's, it's a problem, but it's not that kind of problem. Yeah. And uh, so there was no way I was going to approach my GM asking for a hundred thousand dollars to take care of a, a trade challenge. That's not a conversation you have no. in hotels in this day and age. Right. <laughs> so that's when I kind of got excited. I said, huh, you know, 99% of the hotels in the world, are essentially using outdated procedures. So I started doing a little homework on why is this a challenge and a couple of the simple things I found. Number one, the first outdated procedure is on the delivery end. It's, you know, I was about to say 2019, but now 2020, and the vast majority of hotels in the world that are delivering room service today are gonna use a small paper tent card prompting the guests to pick up a landline telephone and call for retrieval. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anyone's shocked why that's not working anymore. But hotels just don't know any better, so they're still using a procedure that maybe worked 10 years ago, but it's obviously not working today. Mm-hmm. And then on the back end, the second glaringly obvious outdated procedure was that those same hotels, and I'm talking about some of the most beautiful, luxurious, well-known hotels in the world, are literally using pen, paper, maybe a whiteboard, or even at best like an Excel spreadsheet to try and track and manage all that activity. 
And so it's not that they're not passionate. It's not that they don't love what they're doing and they're trying to do a good job, but you can only manage so much through pen and paper, especially nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. the labor standards have been trimmed back pretty much across the board. And so that's, you know, when I got excited, I said, look, if we can solve the challenge on the front end and modernize that and update it for the guests, so it's simple and intuitive. And if we can provide incredible software tracking on the back end, that's got to be fast and user friendly. You know, I knew if the, the room service server that's been doing his job for 15 years doesn't love what this technology is going to look like, then, you know, we had no shot. So the whole goal around how quickly and user friendly the software would be on the back end was all kept in mind of just my understanding of how fast paced in-room dining operations are. And, and that's kind of where the idea started. So uh, reach out to uh, a good friend of mine. We grew up together. His name's Will Lovett. He had a background in technology and software engineering, and we got to work. Wow. So did let this is kind of maybe a just a trail question, but did you guys um, when you first got the first model out and ready? Um, what, did you get feedback from in-room dining servers, or did like anybody tell you like, Hey, this is great. Or did they're like, Hey, make it tweak because, or is it more of a base by, you know, case by case basis for a lot of properties? Yeah. So we got a little bit of feedback. Um, you know, I was pretty passionate about solving the problem mm-hmm. and I knew that we were going to, to do it somehow, some way. And then I guess here's a couple of important notes I didn't mention. I wasn't just excited about there was a problem and I thought we could solve it. You know, as you very well know, cause you're an entrepreneur, it's also about product market fit. You know, the, the company I found created actually a pretty interesting concept using all kinds of high-end technology with tracking things. But the problem is it doesn't make sense for hotel budgets from a financial standpoint, you know? Mm-hmm. So I took what I knew about the hotel industry and started working backwards. I said, number one, this thing's got to be affordable. It's got to mm-hmm. fit within hotel budgets. Mm-hmm. It can't be a capital expenditure that takes 12 to 18 months to get approved. Number two, I wanted it to be Wi-Fi based. Every hotel in the world has Wi-Fi. So why not find a solution that works off their existing Wi-Fi? And then you don't need to install anything on hotel property. You don't need to fly there and incur the cost, which again, we just, um, you know, hotels are always looking for affordable but effective solutions. So we started with the kind of the price point we thought would work, uh, the simplicity of being cloud-based and Wi-Fi based. And then, like I already mentioned, making sure it was simple and intuitive and user-friendly for, for the guest and for the staff. And so those were kind of the parameters that we started with and uh, we'll, you know, amazingly got to work and we started looking at all the technology platforms that were available. And that's, that's where we came up with our concepts. So can you walk through for, you know, the listeners, cause this is a, you know, all, it's all audio. So I think for our, our visual people, can you just walk through what the normal typical experience is like what, you know, so, you know it's, a, it's a button. So like kind of walk through what, um, you know, the order is placed to room service and then what happens all the way till the guest is ready for their tray retrieval. Yeah, so we provide hotels with these very small, what we call trayway devices, uh, along, and they're paired with our software as a service platform. So the way this works, now when a guest orders room service in 2020, um, the meal is delivered to the guest like normal, but instead of that paper tent card, there's a small little device that goes right in the place of that card on the tray or trolley with a simple message. It just says click for retrieval. So now when the guest is done, they can literally click a button and what that'll do is send a signal directly to room service that, for example, the guest in room 305 is ready for retrieval. Uh, without going into too many detailed statistics, the vast majority of people do click the button. You know, it's so simple, why not? Uh, to be completely transparent, some guests are going to click and then they're going to go ahead and place it in the hall because they've been doing that for years. But at least the team was notified and they can respond in a timely manner versus 
what we all see today is people, you know, placed in the hall and unfortunately no one was notified for quite some time. Mm-hmm. You know, the other cool uh, kind of simple concept or cool part of that simple concept for the few people that don't click for whatever reason, you know, they're busy, they forget. Uh, it's just as easy for housekeeping, engineering, security, any internal team member sees a dirty tray in a hallway or a guest room. They click that same button and it sends the same request directly to room service. So it's just much faster for internal communication than like housekeeping, picking up the phone and calling room service or trying to create like a work order in some kind of other system. So, you know, on the front end, very easy and intuitive for the guest. And then I mentioned on the back end, the other main benefit we're providing is a software platform. Uh, hotels can access it either just by going to any desktop computer, uh, going to our website, trayway.com, or downloading a mobile app on any Apple or Android device. Uh, of course, it could be a phone, but it doesn't necessarily need cell service. It could just be a touch device, a tablet, an iPad. And what they're going to see when they open this up for the very first time is just all of that activity happening upstairs in the hotel. So like right now, as an example, we would know there's 33 trays upstairs in our hotel. We would know how many are on each floor, what room they're located in, the original delivery time, and then an overall activity status. So let's say of those 33 trays, three are currently awaiting retrieval. Average wait time, seven minutes. The longest wait time is 14 minutes. It just really streamlines that whole you know, headache process on the back end so they can run a much smoother, more efficient operation. And see, this is what I love about this and because just from my background of operations, I know that, you know, number one costs that are going up for hotels is labor um, from any position, any you know, department. Um, but also, you know, we have certain metrics that we have to hit, right? You got housekeeping metrics, you got maintenance metrics, you got front desk metrics and some other indicators that go into, you know, that scene. But the time, so like you said, the guests and even... Yeah, I'll just start with the guest experience. They hate seeing dirty, you know, trays in the hallway. Like I get that call all the time. Like my front background was always like, hey, I've been, you know, I left at eight this morning to go to a meeting and I came back to my room. My room was clean, but they just left the tray of, you know, room service from the guy next door out in the hall all day. It's been there since I left. And now it's five in the afternoon. Well, you know, that itself is just, okay, it's a, <laughs> to get. Um, but then you you have the, the time it takes, like, let's say I'm in maintenance, like you said, and I see a tray, it takes time for you to stop the project that you're doing, whether you're fixing a sink or helping a guest with their phone or TV or whatever, uh, to pick up the tray, go back to room service, then go right back up to what you're doing. So, the, you know, the time it takes in, the, in walking distance and everything else that happens along the way, that it takes up metric and it takes up time. And so yep. for me, what I love about this is because it's a go to tracking and metric meter in a way. And so um for yeah, that's just like my geeky operation side. I know like, you know, of course, everyone knows on the show that the, the guests and the team experience is my number one thing that I love to talk about. But just because we talk about those things mostly doesn't mean that these things like we're talking about now, like with Trayway and the retrieval and the the overall tracking software doesn't mean it's not important because it is, it goes right into what we're doing and to really creating that optimal performance of as, as a staff, as a property, as a guest experience, you name it. Um, so that's what I really love about that. And I think it's super cool. Like you said, and I think you and I were joking about this earlier when we've talked a, co- uh, a couple of weeks ago was, man, what an idea that I wish I thought of, like, you know, like simple click of a button, boom, and you're done. Like it's pretty, pretty, pretty simple in a lot of ways, but I think the software behind it is what 
it really makes it cool is that you've taken a simple idea and expanded onto how can we apply this appropriately to hotels, um, especially because, you know, budget and everything else that you just talked about. Super key and super, you know, good to, you know, be mindful of when you're starting something like this. Yeah. And just to echo what you mentioned about, you know, like the engineers and example and things like that. You no, know, I, I genuinely believe that there was no place in the industry for something like Trayway 10 years ago. And, and what, I, what I mean by that is number one, the out, the procedures weren't quite outdated yet. Like mm -hmm. people still maybe didn't mind calling and asking for retrieval, but then there's other procedures. Like a lot of brands have uh, callbacks, like they're supposed to call the guests back 45 minutes, 45 minutes after delivery. Uh -huh. Number one to ask about the quality of the meal and number two to see if they're done and if they're ready for retrieval. And that sounds lovely at first glance, but the reality is in 2020, people don't want to be bothered anymore. Like human beings have changed. Like you don't want your phone ringing period, much less a landline hotel room, you know, room phone. Yeah. And so what, what used to be a, a high level of service is now felt like an intrusion to the guest. You know, they definitely don't want someone knocking on the door 45 minutes after delivery and asking those same questions. They would rather, typically speaking, not be bothered. And therefore that's what we provide is it's, it's up to them. If they want retrieval, click a button. If they don't, farewell. You know, like at least the hotel knows that it's there. They know how long it's been there. They're still able to track it regardless of whether they click or not. And so, and, and then same thing, you know, just to, I mean, I'm, I'm so passionate about the industry that, to t you know, I'm, I, my heart goes out to all the housekeepers and the engineers and the security officers because yeah. you know, 10 years ago, again, going back to it, this wouldn't make sense 10 years ago, you know what, that engineer was whatever hotel that's at, he was probably working a, sh a day shift with like six or eight other engineers. Yeah. Today, that same engineer is probably working with four. Yet the property didn't get any smaller. It's just that times have changed. That housekeeper was probably cleaning 12 to 18 rooms. Now she's cleaning 18 to 24 rooms. And so while everyone's jobs have gotten stretched thin and everyone's working as hard as they can, they can only do so much, you know? And so it's kind of like, uh, sure, if everyone would just do the right thing and pick up a tray and, and remove it from the guest hall, there wouldn't be a problem. But when you really understand that what's happening behind the scenes, that's where the, the, the true problem starts, you know? And so... That's it. We're just providing a simple solution to, to give the team the tools that they need so they can use that passion and provide the level of experience that they really want to. Uh, they just had a challenge doing so. 100% agreed. And so what, when did Trayway launch officially, you know, after the spark of the idea and then um, to getting your first client up to where you guys are today almost? Yeah. So uh, first conversation uh, between my business partner, Will, and I was back in 2017. Uh, again, just kind of uh, started, it was more of a passion project, just wanted to see what we could, you know, come up with and kind of put together. Uh, but fast forward to March of 2018, uh, we had a, a full product and we were excited and, and we were ready to roll. So um, I, at that time, went full time into to this project um, and we had our first customer. You know, I don't want to mention specific properties uh, today, but it was a beautiful hotel, a uh, thousand plus rooms, luxury hotel in Austin, Texas. It was their grand opening, and, and they took a big chance on Trayway. Uh, there was zero other hotels using it, but they were, uh, you know, excited enough about what we had shared with them to, to give us a shot. And, and so we launched uh, March of 2018, you know. Um, fast forward uh, to today, I think I just kind of mentioned very briefly at the start of the show, uh, we just announced we're now supporting 100 hotels. Uh, pretty much, again, I don't want to mention specific properties or brands, but um, any pretty much any brand you can think of in the full service and luxury hotel space. We're at least working with a few of their hotels, if not uh, a couple dozen. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's primarily in the U S but we're now in quite a few other countries, uh, you know, between essentially North America, South America, Europe, and Asia. 
uh, is where we're at currently, but lots of exciting things that are happening and, um, you know, look excited about this year for sure. No, awesome. I, I love that. And I think, you know, just the overall, you know, increase of service scores, the enhancing, you know, the sustainability and then, re, you know, reducing expenses and you know, all the other stuff that you guys are doing, you know, for, you know, operating budgets and, and to everything that goes into what Treyway is, I think just the, the overall journey itself. And, you know, I can't, you know, express this enough is the, the guest experience and really the team experience. And I think coming up with ideas, especially in luxury properties. And I always say this and a couple, <laughs> I've had a couple guests, you know, reach out to me, uh, say that I'm wrong on this a little bit, but I, I, still, <laughs> I still stand firm on this, that hotels are one of the slowest uh, companies or any industry itself is one of the slower industries to adapt and innovate in the technology, such as a thing like Treyway or, um, you know, Alexa hotels or, or sorry, Alexa hospitality or, you know, whatever. And so um, it's just, it's really cool to see, you know, that there is a pickup. There is, you know, a hundred hotels is not a small victory. That's a pretty big victory to say, you know, that this software and this device has been integrated with, because like I said, this is just one of the slowest industries to adapt and to innovate and to think of new ways to, enhance the experience of of the whole property itself team guests all, all alike so i think the for me it's just it's an exciting thing and it's cool to see and i you know people maybe maybe people are right i am wrong maybe there's finally going to be a pickup of, of, of all the tech but i i still 100 percent believe it but it's just i'm i give big kudos to you guys and what you're doing and i think uh, i think it's just huge to see the hundred and to you know hear about all the the other exciting things that you guys are about to do in 2020. Yeah. And I mean, just to, to echo to what you mentioned, you know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. And some people have the audacity to always believe that their opinion is the right opinion, you know? And so uh, I don't know who you're referring to, but Hey, kudos to him for having his opinion. Uh, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I just think about the last two years, there's so many people in so many different walks of life that maybe they loved what we're up to. Maybe they thought it was the worst idea in the world. At the end of the day, like, I appreciate your opinion, yeah. you know, um, especially, I mean, I don't want to go down into like investment conversations today, but like there's, you know, some individuals in certain parts of the, the VC world, if you will, where they're looking for certain parameters and certain metrics. And, and that's absolutely amazing. That has nothing to do necessarily with the journey that I'm on and what we're trying to accomplish and provide for the hotel industry. So, um, you know, I've received lots of opinions in the last couple of years. And, and it's, at the end of the day, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt as long as you know and believe that what you're up to. Uh, mm-hmm. And just, you know, keep, you know, but every day is a, a challenge and a journey. So you just have to continually reconfirm that you're on the right path. You believe in what you and your team are doing and uh, just kind of taking it one day, one week and one month at a time. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Well, um, I want to end the show with two questions. And okay. we talked about them a little bit, but I want to, uh, one, for anybody in the world that is listening to this podcast right now what is one piece of advice or lesson or just final words you'd like to say in order to 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 give them as a nice little give takeaway from the episode sure um you know this is going to sound a little cliche uh but uh, but it's my truth so i think you got to find something that you're passionate about you know and it doesn't matter whether you want to work for a corporation or start your own business or or be in hospitality or be in, you know, completely different field. 
you, you got to find something you love. And I, I learned that, you know, early on. That's if I learned anything from 19 to 21, uh, that making a dollar is one thing, but being happy and loving what you do every day is really what at least my life is about. And so from that day forward, I decided that I needed to be, you know, enjoying and, and you know, happy about uh, whatever role or task or project I'm taking on. So I think that's it. It's just find something you're passionate about. And then if you are someone that has the audacity to, to try and venture out and do your own thing, my only piece of advice was just make sure that you feel compelled to do it. You right. know, I think uh, some people watch, you know, the many shows that are on TV these days about entrepreneurship and things like that. And, you know, it's not about necessarily putting the perfect business plan together and then make a scientific decision and, and wait, you know, yes, there needs to be all those kind of logical decisions that go into it. But if you don't feel absolutely compelled or, you know, mostly like a, you don't feel like this is a mission that you must accomplish, then maybe, you know, just be careful. That's all I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not, you know, unique advice. There's plenty of people that will tell you the exact same thing. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I would, I give that advice as well because it is never always, you know, what it seems. And, um, I think for me, like, just to, like you say, uh, echo off of that idea or that, that topic is because when I started my show for a company, it was a great idea and it was, you know, a lot of fun and I had a blast with it, but I was not hundred percent compelled. I was just looking to really, exp you know, find, I think what it really came down to, it was hospitality. It was, you know, going above and beyond to take care of people. And when I found the hotel industry itself and kind of led into that, I think that's when, you know, obviously that business failed. And I'm, I will a hundred percent admit that. Um, but it really comes down, like you said, you have to be compelled to, to really, do the next step and to take on that thing. Um, so my next question for you is what does hospitality mean to you? What does Josh Johnson, you know, take as hospitality? Yeah. So I think, um, I have to make the statement Southern hospitality. You know, I was born in the South. I grew up, like I said, mostly in Louisiana, but kind of all over the South and, and we have a reputation for Southern hospitality, which, you know, for those people who don't understand that it just means like treating other people well and essentially serving other people. And, and that's really a passion of mine. You know, I fell in love, like I said, as a server in a restaurant, literally just serving others and taking care of them and making sure their needs were met and they have a great experience. And in a small way, I would feel rewarded by the, you know, the level of experience that I provided. And then I just started to do that on bigger and bigger levels throughout my hotel career. Uh, so that, I, you know, I guess if that answers your question, it's just essentially serving others. I love it. All right. Well, Josh, it was such a pleasure to have you on and to learn more about Trayaway and to just give you a big congratulations on what you guys are doing in the industry. I love it. I'm a big fan and a big supporter. So keep up the great work and thank you for being on the show. And anybody that's listening, um, I will link Trayaway's website and all the information that we kind of talk about into the description. So you can listen and find out everything on every platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, it'll be there. And then uh, Josh, I just appreciate you being on the show, my man. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you, Will. Really appreciate it, man. Excited to see your journey as well. And uh, we'll obviously be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Thank you so much for everybody who's joined the show and just been a part of the exciting journey with the podcast. Um, it was such a pleasure to have Josh on the show talking about Trayaway and just the cool things. So final note, just go check it out, trayaway.com, and you can find out more information on their website. And I, like I said, will have everything linked below. 
So thank you very much. I'm excited to announce that after this episode, for the next 10 weeks, you'll be hearing a 10 weeks uh, or a 10 week exclusive series on vacation rentals. It's called the Vacation Rental Mastermind Series, where I have sat down with 10 of the most experienced and knowledgeable people in the industry for vacation rentals. This is a very exciting part for me because I'm taking a journey into a vacation rental management company for luxury properties, as well as the podcast full time. So like I said, it's just going to be really amazing, deep dive content. Um, there's a couple bonus episodes, so it's not just 10 weeks. There's going to be a couple exclusives um, with other major players in this space of the hospitality side. So stay tuned. 10 weeks, amazing episodes, amazing companies, amazing people, just doing a great things, just like Trayway and many, many more. So stay tuned for the series launching the 29th of January. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.